it's over finally. He's dead. No, not the one they call Jesus. He's been dead for a while now. It's that one there to the right of Jesus. That's my son. His name is Dismas. You've heard of him, of course. My son, the malefactor, you've heard the words of his mouth, both cursing and then confessing. But have you ever thought he might have had a mother? A mother standing in shame among the crowd at the foot of his cross? You've heard his words. I heard them too. I said standing in shame. Because that's the way I felt this morning, following at a great distance as those three went slowly up the hill to Calvary, carrying their crosses. Shame. What else? Deep shame. For my son had been sentenced to crucifixion. No other punishment has had shame attached to it like crucifixion. Shame. Because only the worst, the most detestable of humanity are crucified. The corrupt, the trash, and worse shame because they are hung there unclothed the last final shred of dignity stripped from them but the shame i felt for my son is nothing compared to the shame i felt for myself shame to think that this is what i had led my son to be yes i somehow i felt i knew that i'd failed him and was that why he was chose a way of life that marked him as a criminal to all humanity? What had I done? What had I failed to do? As I look back, two memories return to haunt me now. First, as he was growing up, somehow he could never be good enough for me. This child will not turn out like so many I vowed. This one will be a true and faithful son of Israel. The rabbi taught, I taught, and scolded, always pressing for more. And then it was time for his bar mitzvah. <laughs> I was so proud. He did so well. Then, just as he was entering his teens, my husband, his father, died. I should have been drawn closer to him. But instead, somehow... I felt resentment, hurt, pain when I was around him. He reminded of me of him, and I missed my husband so. I lost myself to my pain and sorrow, forgetting he had pain too. Then, suddenly, he was gone. That is, I mean, he didn't run away like some ungrateful prodigal, demanding his share of the inheritance to spend as he wasted it in faraway places. No, he didn't run away as such. He just wasn't around anymore. I never knew where he was or when he might appear or not. Oh, there was a contact of a sort. Usually it was when he needed money. To bail him out or cover a loss because of something he had done. Money I, of course, never had. No widow could get her hands on that kind of money. I, I did what I could. I loved him. I cared for him. I gave him what I had. And he threw it all away. Totally. How totally? I found out when the word came that he was involved in another fracas, another drunken brawl. 
he had brutally killed a companion over nothing. And they caught him, as they had caught him so many times before. Only this time the judgment was no more. No more will he be allowed to brawl, to hurt, to kill. He was condemned to die. That will be the end of it once and for all, to die on a cross. I came here hiding myself. He dare not see me. If he did, he would not understand. I wasn't here to scold him, to shame him. I'm here to face my guilt, my shame. My son there on the cross, do you see? My guilt had helped to nail him there. I told you that when I came here, I felt shame, despair, hoping it would not last too long. But I stand here now at this moment and everything has changed. It's hard to believe, but I believe it. I heard it with my own ears. My son, my son is now in heaven, in paradise, removed from all shame, the guilt, the pain of his sins. How? By that one. That one who hung there by his side. Despite the mocking, the cursing, the unrelenting ridicule, that one was innocent. He was crucified even though he had no guilt. Everyone knew it. He had even taken the place of one who was to die with the rest of them. Barabbas, the one who's now free. I know. That Jesus was innocent. And more, I now know, I firmly believe that he is the one, God's chosen one, the promised Messiah, the Savior, God's son next to my son. I saw the words of Isaiah fulfilled before my eyes. He was numbered with the transgressors. I saw it with my own eyes. And so did my son, my son hanging there next to Jesus. Helpless on the cross. Life draining from him drop by drop. He saw what I now do believe. This is God's promised one. Promised to Eve and Adam so long ago. When paradise was lost by disobedience. And death began. This is the answer to the soul's most urgent prayer. Prayer. (laughs) Did you hear my son's prayer? I had never heard anything like it. It was I who taught him to pray, his father and I. But this prayer, only he knew how to say this prayer. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Those words were a confession of hope. Hope anchored in this one who was dying with him. But dying for him. And that hope was not left unfulfilled. For I heard Jesus promise him, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise, heaven, with the Lord, the Messiah in mercy. Our Heavenly Father has saved my son by giving his son. A prodigal son has been welcomed home. And another child of the same father sees his need as well. My grief, my guilt, my shame, my shortcomings. I wasn't able in all that to welcome him home. But now he waits to welcome me. 
I know that's true, for from my son, I too have learned to pray. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us. We entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here ends the reading. Well, if you asked, and I've had several uh, conversations with partners in mission over the past week that revealed to me a lot of confusion about the subject of tonight's monologue revealed you were as confused as I was. The thief's mother? What thief? Oh, the thief on the cross. I don't remember anything about his mother. And I was right there with you. The extent of my knowledge was that there were two thieves crucified next to Jesus. One mocked Jesus, and the other asked Jesus to remember him when he entered into his kingdom. And you are right, there is no mention of either of that thief's parents in the Bible. So that's all I knew. So I did some digging. I couldn't find anything helpful in all of the Protestant and evangelical resources that I had at my disposal. So I did what any good pastor would do under those circumstances. I googled it. (laughs) And I ended up confronted with a world of insights about this thief. This thief referred to as the good thief the wise thief, the penitent thief, given the name Dismas. Dismas is a canonized saint in the Roman Catholic Church, and he is commemorated on March 25th. Now, the fact that this might be the first time we've ever talked about Dismas here at Cross of Grace, and that it's happening on the evening before his commemoration day without any intention or awareness on our part is probably just another wink and nudge from God, I'm sure. And as I researched Dismas in some Catholic and Eastern Orthodox resources, I was captivated by the way that he is presented or at least referenced throughout art history. Can you pull up the slide that we have? You see, Dismas is often presented with a three-bar cross, the three-bar cross of Christ, which has become associated with the Russian Orthodox Church. 
That top bar you see is where the inscription King of the Jews was inscribed. The center bar is where Jesus' hands were nailed to the cross. And the bottom bar, the smaller one, is where his feet were nailed to the cross. With the interesting distinction that that bottom bar is slightly angled up to Jesus' right side. This is the position historically ascribed to the good thief on Jesus' right side, which means that the bar points up to the penitent thief and down to the condemned thief. Also, many depictions of the crucifixion have Jesus tilting his head to the right, which is another acknowledgement of the penitent's the penitent thief's good standing. So even in those artistic and iconographic descriptions and depictions that do not even include Dismas, his presence is still acknowledged. Dismas is not acknowledged as a saint in the Lutheran Church, uh, but his importance should not be overlooked for those of us who call ourselves Lutheran. This man, facing the full force of a lifetime of bad decisions and moral failings, sees salvation in a fellow condemned criminal. For reasons that will forever remain a mystery to us, as is so often the case with grace, Dismas is one of the few who looks upon Jesus and sees the Son of God. He boldly asks for forgiveness and salvation from a bloody man about to die a criminal death. And his instinctive request is met with Jesus' divine assurance. Today, you will be with me in paradise. That is easily the most absurd and most beautiful conversation between two criminals being executed. May we be compelled to ask for nothing less.